right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're diving back into horror. Just for a change. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, you know, we did the Indiana Jones, you know, family adventure. So we got to get, you know, get back into our, our, our element. Back, on to, back to our roots. Uh, yeah, which is, uh, you know, the good old horror. And thinking of what to do, and we need to start going outside the box a bit and start diving into some old school horror. Um, especially when I think old school, I probably would probably be more about the seventies. Um, that's more, I was more introduced to horror with movies like, you know, the exorcist and the omen, the classic Halloween and so forth and so forth. But it was the late eighties, late eighties. I was introduced to another horror director. I'd never heard his name before, uh, but I was, I know George Romero. And him and George Romero are good friends. Dario was not doing himself. In fact, I didn't realize until we did the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, Dario Gento shot some of the stuff, extra stuff, for a different uh, international cut for, of Dawn of the Dead for George Romero. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did some of the, yeah. So that was kind of interesting, researching him a bit. But I was introduced to him under George Romero's name, but not because of Dawn of the Dead, because George Romero and Dario Gento did a film. It's an anthology film uh, called Two Evil Eyes. And it's based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, the Black Cat and... Ah, it's a, it, the other one's... I, it's, 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 uh, I, can't, I can't think of it right now. But check it out. If you guys like Edgar Allan Poe and you love Dario Gento and you like George Romero, you'd like Two Evil Eyes. But I liked it, and I was like, uh, kind of enjoying it. And that, but that same time, believe it or not, I was working in Minnesota, and I got to be an extra in a film. Uh, it was a quick shoot, but they asked me, do you want to take some time off, and, you know, for the next hour or two, do you want to be an extra in a film? While we're shooting the leads, you'll be next to them while we're shooting the two leads having a conversation. And I'll be like, yeah, cool. So I'm just like bystander guy. And this was for a film called Trauma. And this was being directed by Dario Gento. So I, um, during the, took a little break, I walked up to Dario Gento, who's still behind the, uh, had the headphones on and he was still looking at the little TVs, establishing shots and stuff. And I just walked right up to him and I just want to say, hey, I just watched one of your films, Two Evil Eyes. I just want to say it was nice to, meet, nice to meet you. And he shook my hand and he nodded. And that was it. Um, you know, just probably, he's probably in the zone at that time. Uh, but hey, I can say I was in a Dario Gento film and I got to meet him. Now we have this big premiere, right? And we all finally found a copy. It was really hard to get his, his work, especially in the States. And so we got a copy, and we all rented it. We're going to watch it. And I ended up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I ended up doing a long shot instead of a close-up for the conversation. So they shot. They must have shot uh, a different take when I was gone. I think it was because I was so charming and good-looking, I was taken away from the actual, you know, the actors that, that were in, featured in the film. Well, that's actually, as you know, being an extra, that's actually one of the things. You're not allowed to, in any way, Take the attention off, um, you know, from the um, actors in it. There you go. And that's, I think that's what it was. He's like, no, no, no. He's too handsome. That's my, <laughs> att- 
That's my Italian yeah. accent. <laughs> right? No, no, away. <laughs> it's too too good looking. <laughs> right. That sounds like Dracula. Yeah, yeah. Who's not Italian either? But anyway. Uh, first off, uh-huh. Karen, I did not know this story. And I'm very impressed. Not only have you been in a Dario Argento film, although technically you were sort of cut, uh, but also um, you met him. So, yeah, very impressed. So, there you go. But, uh, Karen, you're in a box of surprises. And, um, yeah, good, good stuff. Uh, I would yeah. I would add as well that um, Two Evil Eyes, the other Edgar Allan Poe story, uh, along with The Black Cat, is the facts in the case of Mr. Valdemar. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, check it out, guys. I, Adrian Barbeau's in it. I like her. She's in The Black Cat, I think. Um, I might actually, actually revisit it after doing this podcast because I'd like to see it again. Yeah. And well, I also think, um, yeah, Harry Keitel. He's in it. He is in it, yeah. All righty, so let's jump into our boy here. Um, let's talk about the term uh, giallo. It's pronounced giallo. Giallo. And the freight, the freight, it's giallo. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up. I even had the little, well, you only hit the button and it tells, it tells you how to say it. <laughs> it is, it's giallo. Right, first up, I am There's terrible no, so, at pronouncing things. I pronounce things as I see them. I know. Um, I, Michael Douglas. I did, Remember Michael yeah, Douglas? Yeah, but I also did a review recently. Cor- Corey Fieldman? Yeah. Uh, I Corey did, Fieldman and Michael Douglas. No, but I did a review recently of um, from a radio show of um, the Comedy of Terrors, and I was corrected by listeners after um, mispronouncing Peter Lorre's um, surname incorrectly. I've always pronounced it as Peter Lore. So, yes, I always mispronounce things. I, I, I pronounce things as I see them. You know, and for many years yeah. I would have said Giallo, uh, but it's Giallo. Giallo. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into it. That means yellow. Uh, yes, it means yellow. Thank you. After we talked about um, Trevor's speech impediment, let's. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> let's. Before we get a lot of, we lose more more viewers now. Yeah. Or listeners, that is. All right, Giallo. J-Lo. I, J-Lo. J-Lo, <laughs> yeah. Jennifer me, Lopez. You got She's me great. fucking out. I'm only joking. <laughs> the phrase goes back from the 1920s when in Italy they wanted the really popular mystery authors. This was mainly from England and from America. Uh, Agatha Christie would be a perfect example. So they published these um, mysteries in this lavish, bright yellow cover, so they'd stand out, so people know where to find these mysteries from the other other countries, and that's where the term was coined. Now it wasn't until the late the '60s and the '70s when they started making these horror films, where they took that term and they, uh, because the yellow is so bright, and these horror films that were coming out were very lavish. They were uh, surreal, quality, dreamlike. They had huge costume designs, acts of violence, uh, lots of blood and gore, uh, eroticism, nudity, psychosexual desires from the killer. It has had just, just really almost... Uh, it sounds a bit like it's a, a typical citizen frame night out, you know? <laughs> that's, that's my usual. That's usually what I do on a, on a Friday night. <laughs> but... It was Dario Argento and um, a man before him called uh, Mario ba- Mario Bava, whatever yes. his name was, who kind of took that term, or they took they took the term and, and translated it from obviously the written word as a novel 
into film format, and this is why it's called Jello. So there you go. Yep. People learn so much stuff from me. Yep. Learns so much stuff from me. God, my God, my English. Wow. <laughs> Every day's a school day wow. when you listen to Citizen Frame. Oh, fuck. This is a school day. They're fucked. For good and bad. <laughs> yeah. For all you Michael Douglas fans out there. Yeah. Peter Lore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. This is... Okay. I think I'm always right with these names and just everybody else is wrong. But anyway. Yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> now, the great thing about Dario Gento, Dario Gento um, kind of started kind of in the way of Tarantino or vice versa, I guess you could say, where he was a screenwriter first. And he, Spaghetti Westerns were all all the craze in the, in the 60s, obviously with, you know, the, the Man of No Name trilogy. Well, they did one uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. That was a sp- considered a Spaghetti uh, Western. Yes. And that was written by Dario Argento. So he took that money... And he got to start producing his own stuff. And now here we are talking today. Yep. Of the the man himself. Now, before he did uh, Deep Red, he did a couple of the films. Um, haven't revisited him in a while, but I might want to check them out. Um, they're definitely quirky, but The Bird with the Crystal Plumage and The Cat of Nine Tales. Yes, I have Cat of Nine Tales on DVD. Um, I'm going to make a confession here. Um, for the podcast, this was the first time I'd seen Deep Red. I'd seen quite a few um, Argento films. Suspiria, obviously. Opera. I have, As I said, I have Cat Nine Tales on DVD. But for some reason, I had never seen Deep Red before until now. Yeah, he. Um, this is probably his most popular and definitely well-received. Next is Suspiria. Now, Suspiria, as you all know, is part of a trilogy. Um, as part of his Three Mothers trilogy, mm-hmm. Suspiria, Inferno, and Mother of Tears. Those are the three films. If you, if you guys are big Suspiria fans, people don't realize it's actually a trilogy. Um, give those a shout out. Now, I saw him in the 90s to start getting into a bit more. I, again, didn't see Deep Red, but I did watch, we knew it in the States, called Creepers. With Donald Pleasance and a very young Jennifer Connelly. Mm-hmm. And very fun film. You should, everyone should check it out. It's pretty cool. It's called Creepers. I think it's called Phenomena. Yes, I know it as Phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, I think over in, in Europe, that's what you guys call mm-hmm. it. Um, but it's really... And, you know, it, like great directors, because Dario Argento has a very Hitchcock and Brian De Palma feel to him. And like De Palma, D- Dario Argento faded. You don't hear about... Uh, hear much of his work and if it does come out it's, no offense it's kind of crap he did a, a version uh, of Dracula in recent years oh yeah. dear god that was bad did you see it? no I haven't but I know it was um, it was correctly panned and I sort of I, I didn't get I, I either couldn't get a copy of it um, or, or it wasn't on general it wasn't on general re- release here in cinemas but I remember I was struggled to get my hands on a copy but after sort of reading the reviews and stuff I wasn't that desperate to see it anyway and I just never got around to it I know it starred Rucker Har as Van Helsing yeah and, yeah. yeah, and, and Thomas Krenzman mm-hmm. uh, no Rucker Har was Dracula wasn't he? I'm not too sure I, um, I thought he was I Van Helsing I, but I could be wrong it was a, tra- a train wreck mm-hmm. and an embarrassment to him he made a resurge there last year 
And uh, we might look at it after we talk about this one. It's kind of a fun chase movie. It's called Dark Glasses. Mm-hmm. And it's about a blind girl and a kid chasing a killer. Yeah. It's different, but it kind of goes back to what works for him. And uh, it's kind of fun. And so it kind of works. So if you guys are into uh, Gento, a lot of people don't realize it. It's available on Shutter now. So check out Dark Glasses if you have a moment. His daughter as well is, is quite big now as well. Asia Argento. Yeah, she's been in a lot of hot water though. Yes. And a lot of questionable actions with her. But mm-hmm. uh, we're not here to talk about her. Yep. We'll just jump into it and talk about Deep Red because this is one of the longest intros we've ever had. But worth it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. This is... Now I these names uh, I fucked up all these names. This was a tough one, and this is no. I'm not trying to be you know a bigot or a racist or something. But these names it's so tough that they're not regular names that I know, like Steve. Yeah, you know. Um, so we got Marcus who's the lead, Gianna, Carlo, Helga, Calcabrini, Amanda, and Barty. Not too bad. Yes. Now, we got Marcus, who's actually played by David Hemming. Now, David Hemming was supposed to be the next big thing. He had, he was, he had a pop album come out in the 60s. He kind of, unfortunately, went to the direction of, I believe, alcohol in the 70s. And he veered toward directing. So he directed a lot of American TV shows like Airwolf and the A-Team and stuff like that. He was a blue Or blew up. Is it blew up? Yeah, yeah, blow up is the movie that got him. In the 60s? Was discovered. Yeah. In the, yeah, I got him discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he kind of decided to go back into acting. Unfortunately, it was a late surge, so he died relatively soon when he went back into acting, early 2000s. But he was in Gladiator, Gangs of New York, and uh, you wouldn't recognize him because, you know, of the, uh, the direction he, he chose. But sadly, he passed very young, and uh, so we never really got to see a full-on David having... You know, career, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah. But unless it was behind the camera, mainly. But let's talk. You can't have Dario Argento in the 70s without the Goblins. Yes. Uh, they were just, they're just a fun, quirky. I mean, they're actually kind of ahead of his time. I've seen them live. Um, I was supposed to see them live here at the Waterfront Yes, Hall. that's the, that's the that's the thing that I went to 10 years ago. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep, I was invited, but I didn't go. Yes, it was, they, I'll tell you a story about it. it the Waterfront Hall, yeah, um, I went with a friend. Um, it was obviously a screening of Suspiria with Goblin providing the live score. But around the same time, there was, in, in the Waterfront Hall, in one of their other theatres, there was a Daniel O'Donnell concert going on. So it was just, the, the, oh, before we went in, it was this really weird mix in the bar and stuff of like old women, Daniel O'Donnell fans, just looking at a nice wee cup of tea, um, and all of the goth and horror kids, which I was one of, you know. So yeah, it was just a, a weird sort of mix of, of a crowd there that night. Yeah. That, that's cool. Was it any good? It was, it was. And it was great, I have to say, to see Suspiria on the big screen as well. Um, greatly enhanced, of course, by a live score by Goblin, as they became known instead of Goblins. Yeah, yeah. No, they're called Goblin. Now you say Goblins because there's probably... No, they're credited Goblin. as Goblins in this film. No, Deep Red? Oh, they are? Yeah, I think I think they went from Goblins to Goblin. I know it's only a small detail, an S, essentially. All right, either it way... Could be wrong, but we, yeah. Either way, it's right. It makes more sense to be Goblins. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well... You know, it's kind of like... You ever see that movie Airheads? Yes. 
Steve Buscemi. It's a horrible film. It's a stupid movie. Yeah. But they kidnap the uh, you know one of the in the radio. That's right. Yeah. Station, and they kid and Joe Mantegna is live. Yeah. And he goes, okay, what's your what's your band's name? We'll get you promoted. They're like, we're the Lone Rangers. He goes, really? There's three of you. <laughs> yep. You're not exactly lone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. We're back. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So the goblins, that nice little complete ripoff of The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? When I heard it. I heard a little Halloween in there, and this was produced before Halloween. So I think everyone seems to kind of snowball on each other a little bit. Yeah, well, there's certain trends, pe- pe- especially pe- within back. horror, you know, of, you know, the 70s and the 80s, and, you know, even in the 2000s, there have been certain trends, and I suppose that's all reflected in the scores as well, you know? Yeah, I suppose, of course, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's good music, good creepy yep. little music, it always works. Sense-based, uh, yeah, I love, I love and it, then, yeah. And then you got the little kids going, la, 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 <laughs> la, 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 and that's fucking freaky. Yeah. Yeah, it's become a bit of a cliche these days, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly effective here. Don't you think it was an odd choice for Torgento during mid-credits, slow somebody getting slaughtered with a knife at a child's feet during Christmas time, and then going back to the credits? No, you know, I, I, did, I did notice that, and I think it was just a quirk of uh, an artistic sort of flourish from Argento. He has a lot of these in this film. Yep. Um, where if you watch his later stuff, he kind of gets away with, he kind of veers away from this because the one thing, and it's not necessarily a flaw. I think if I'm going to go, it's a stylistic choice, but his editing was very choppy. And what I mean by that, yeah, to get to point A to get to C, he quickly cut B. Apparently the script was originally something like 500 pages. Um, that he wrote for this. So uh, I believe it has been edited down, but yeah, it is probably the longest. But yeah, there maybe could have been a few trims somewhere else too. Well, I don't mean I don't mean longest. Yeah. I, I'm fine with the length. What I'm saying is, let's say you and I are at a bar talking. Yeah. And the conversation's still going, and then cut to, I'm playing the piano. <laughs> You're like, what the, what? There's a lot of those in this film. To, to me, this is one of the most Dario Argento, Dario Argento films I've ever seen. You know what I mean? All the stuff has this style. Yep. You'll know it right away. I mean, you have really quirky characters. He's almost, well, I got to reverse it because Dario Argento started at first, but he's got a, a Lynch kind of vibe when it comes to his characters because he'll throw characters in there. You're like, who the fuck? Quirky characters, yeah. Yeah, um, and we'll get to some of that. And like Jeez, yeah, Lynch, he, there's a great sort of artistry behind his work as well. You know, it, it's completely identifiable, just like Lynch's is, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, yeah, you know a Dario Argento film. Yeah, and that's a sign of a good director. You'll know a Hitchcock film. Yes. You'll know a De Palma film. you know a Spielberg film. You'll know, you know, you, you, they have that. Yeah, there's something that you might even know what it is, but you know it's there. Yeah. It's, it's, their, it's their brand, yeah. Their artistic brand, yeah. So Marcus is a cool, plain <laughs> jazz cat. And he he's playing the piano, and then cut to, we're at a conference. Yes, yeah. And it was kind of fun. Um, we meet Mrs. Olman, who's Helga, the first our first victim. Mm-hmm. She's on the stage, and she's talking about telepathy. And they were talking about how bugs use it, mm-hmm. which is funny. Because that's how the bugs are trained in the movie Creepers. Mm-hmm. 
that he did back in 85. Yeah, so but obviously stuck with Argento. Yeah, so he, he kind of plays on, on this uh, opening sequence where he'll, he'll use it. Or he'll, uh, I don't know if he references it, but he certainly uses the topic of it. Um, in that film, so yeah, so and then she's talking. So give me the this. This is the best. This is kind of funny. She starts having like 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 an attack. Yes, because she, I like the line where she says she can't see the future, but she can see the present. Yes, or feel the present. So if something's happening right there and then, not necessarily in front of her, but around, somewhere around her. Yeah, she can feel it or feel you know take bits and pieces what she sees. From people. Yeah, yeah, and she finds this ugliness in somebody that's in the audience a darkness and, and, yeah and she, yeah darkness and i do think it's funny we finally cut to a pov of person getting up going <laughs> you know as as the audience members are getting up and they're walking away and it, it's it's funny because isn't that the worst time if you're a killer you wouldn't want to be the first one to stand up and walk out yeah even if he was pretending not to be the killer by whistling you know um, casually and innocently you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't Wesley. I just mean that. Yes, I know what. But, 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 but you get my point. Yeah. Then he goes to the bathroom and the POV. Yes. And he's, he's like sick. Uh, and yeah, he, uh, he, he decides I'm getting into character because, because of her kind of seeing them, mm-hmm. the killer, she, she, he now has to kill her, mm-hmm. which I don't think. That was her intent. No, no, it was just basically to yeah, eliminate a witness. Yes, I get a little conf- Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll dive a little more into it. So, so let's talk about her murder. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember seeing this uh, deep red in the nineties, and I remember him walking down. Well, she gets murdered, Helga. Yes, with the butcher knife, as you do. And Marcus sees her murder from her apartment window as she is, is thrown that through the window, but she, yeah, she's, she's thrown through the window, but pulled back. Yeah. And he runs up to help her and he goes into the hallway and there's, and, uh, and she's got all these paintings. Now I didn't notice it the first time around when I first saw deep red, when he's walking, there's an actual human being. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's, I mean, it literally tells you who the killer is in that picture. And it's the killer. Yeah. yeah. It's the killer. But, you when you first see it, you don't really catch it. You just kind of you miss it, yeah. But when you watch it again, and you when I watched the film again, not for the podcast, but a couple of years later, it creeped me out when I when I finally caught it <laughs> because you don't see it coming. You say, what the wait a minute, there's wait a minute. But if you rewind it, you kind of cheat. You can know who the killer mm-hmm. is. So, but it works. There's something about it that I really enjoy. Yes, by today's standard audience, might catch it right away and go, "Oh, oh, that's the killer." Then, when you're when you're introduced to the killer in the in the future here, but I just love that shot. I always reminded me of the shot, and it becomes Marcus's obsession because he knows he saw something in that painting, and that's why he becomes, you know, embedded in this case. Yeah, it basically um, goes from being a jazz pianist to b- becoming a private detective. Yeah, with uh, with the uh, what do you call the reporter? It? Invent- no, the reporter played by Gianna. Dario Argento's partner at the time. Oh, it was it. Yeah, yeah. And she she have, um, appeared um, in several of his films around the period whenever they were together. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, um, it's, what's her name? Dario. Oh, I can't remember. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if you tell me it, it'll come to me straight away. But um, yeah, it was. Um, 
yeah, she was the partner of Dario Argento at the time, um, and she 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 was in quite a few of his films. Um, yeah, very reminiscent because, like I said, uh, when Dario Argento was putting up these films stateside, we had Brian De Palma, yes, who uh, mimicked a lot of Hitchcock, mm-hmm. and I like, uh, and he did the same thing with Nancy Allen, yes. He used her in a lot of his stuff, and they were dating for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have got her name now, if you just bear with me. It's, yeah, it's, it is indeed. It's uh, Daria, um, just look it up, Daria Nicolodi. It wasn't her name. Didn't she write and produce Susperia with him? I will, if you just bear with me. Um, I've got it actually in front of me here. Yep, Suspiria. Yeah, she wrote Suspiria. Yeah. And also um, Inferno. And yeah, Asia, Asia's her kid. Right, yes, yes. Got you they they yeah. got married. That's why I recognize Dario Argento. Daria and Dario Argento, yeah. I think. is who. But she, when she left him, mm-hmm. the, the whole thing was, it's kind of like a John Carpenter, Deborah Hill thing. Yes. Where some of the magic of his work was gone. Yeah, it was never quite the when, same. It wasn't quite the same. Mm-hmm. So there was, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, every time there's a murder, and there's very few murders in this guy. It's, it's definitely, really definitely a mystery. It's not as gratuitous as, as he gets further into his career. Um, this one's quite tame. Even though the kills are brutal, it's quite tame by Dario Gento standards. It's more of a, yeah, it's a, I wouldn't even so much class it as a horror, night night horror. It's more of a sort of mystery thriller. You know, I don't think it's horror. Mm-hmm. I think suspe- most of his stuff were mystery thrillers until he hit Suspiria. Yeah, you know, I think that's where it became more. You know, about the occult. Well, yeah, d- 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 um, Giallo films in general were more sort of crime mystery pulp type. You know, as opposed to out and out horror. You know, with like vampires and stuff. You know, witches and stuff. Yeah. Um. So every time before there's a killing, you always see like a baby's toys. Yes. They pass with baby's toys and they take a baby doll. And the music? Yeah, I never got why they did that. Oh, that's I a killer? Think he was just, yeah. I know that's the... Thank you. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so after he witnesses them, you know, he he sees the killer with the, with the raincoat running away. And he talks to his buddy who he was talking before, Carlo. Yes. Who, you know, he's a good friend. How does he know Carlo? Uh, from the music world. Oh, because that's right. He played the piano in one scene. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, got it. That's what okay. He keeps pepper. He keeps coming up, and clearly he's a drunk. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much his role for the entire film. Or is it? Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty obvious about him. Like, but yeah, I didn't see. I saw this long time. I see. I I opened up. I got the uh, 4K expansion set for this. Yes. Thing. And um, even the 4K one, they, they still haven't mastered these. It's it's half subtitles, half English. Yeah. And gorgeous. Uh, you know, get me remastered. But anyways, I'm watching it. For, and I haven't watched it in a long time. And I forgot who the killer was. And I always thought, well, just through this entire, this entire viewing, it was uh, Gianna. Right, I did. The reporter. I did suspect her, um, but um, as the film went on, I was pretty convinced it was Carla. Um, is that, is that, that his name? Yeah, Carlo. Carlo. Yes, yes. 
Well, the the problem I have with that is they he's he's very good. Here's the funny thing is there's very minimal characters in this. Yes. And yet you're still kind of confused who it could be. Well, that's that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Cuz you're placing Carlo in the drunk and he was with him when the murder happened. When Helga gets killed. Yep. And then you've got the scene where he's in the house and he wakes up and she and she's next to him. Yes. It's like, wait, wait, did you do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a lot of it's a it. red herrings, a lot of red herrings mm-hmm. thrown at you. And it works though. And and uh, it threw me off. Watching it again, I, could, I didn't figure. And when I saw them, I was like pleasant that, you know, Carl was involved somewhat, you think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a clever payoff. Mm-hmm. But the whole film, like I said, is cut really oddly. And I think his whole point was maybe you're right. Maybe it's a, there's a master cut and they're just chopping up left and right. But he's trying his best to get us through all these scenes, it seems like. So it seems like a lot of these scenes that they're quickly cut must have been elongated. And they didn't really know where to cut them. So that's why it could come off kind of choppy. Well, especially in a film of this nature where... There are things that are, I mean, most scenes um, are very important to the plot. So, yeah, like you say, it must have been that difficult of for them to decide what to cut, you know? When he when he, <clears throat> when he breaks back in and he, well, he, he goes back in. Yeah, he does break back in. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he just goes back in. He realizes that painting's gone now. Yes. Because at this point, he doesn't realize it was a mirror <laughs> and the mirror was the person's face that he was mm-hmm. seeing. And... What, let me ask you this. Why is Gianna so horny? Um, I don't know. Uh, She's always saying to him, I don't have a boyfriend. You coming over? You coming over? She, she, she fancied him. I mean, you know, how could you not? Hemings was a good looking guy. But I'd also say that this is quite um, a groundbreaking film in terms of it was, um, she's obviously a very feminist sort of character. Um, she beats him. I mean, she beats him in an arm wrestle. You know? um, but also, uh, there's uh, openly gay characters in it as well. You know, Carlo and his boyfriend and stuff. Oh, you know? yes, 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 yeah. No, it had, it had. But Italy was always kind of ahead of yeah, its time. More progressive. Yeah. Yes. So and uh, so that's probably for them was probably the norm. Yes. But over here, it'd be like kind of what? Yeah. <laughs> Burn them in a stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sure Tipper Gore would have got to it and banned yeah. it. <laughs> Mary Whitehouse in the UK. I mean, it had horror, yeah. so she had, you know, immediately have been upset, Pat. <laughs> the, the, the dialogue, even though the, the film itself is quite brutal, um, even the the story of the killers yes. is quite uh, uh, dark. Oh, why? It has a lot of good, funny banter. And it plays like an Asian film and what i mean by that when you watch japanese cinema or chinese cinema they'll be talking you know they'll have some great action or 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 great mystery involved but they seem to put some fun banter in the middle of it yeah just to kind of tone things down let people know this is we're just having fun here Mm -hmm. and they still do it to this day you'll see it even in movies like uh, the meg and all the big blockbusters they're starting to put out where they'll pepper in some silly little humor just to to ease it yeah well yeah because the, the ease is sort of because some of the, the killings as, as you stated earlier um and this are brutal you know now he's going to look for carlo carlo was drunk off his skunk was a drunken skunk yes uh that night but he wants to find him to see if he remembers anything which probably won't but he 
So he goes to his mother's. Mm-hmm. And his mother's lost the plot. So he keeps calling him an engineer. And he's like, no, I'm a pianist. Oh, and an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty kind of funny scene, actually. But she talks about how she used to be an, an actress and how her husband stopped her from doing that. Well, we find out what happened. Yes. It's coming up soon here. But it was, it was a different little scene. And this is where she tells him where he probably is, which we, is where you met. Is, is, gay, is, is Carlos, is, it was Carlo gay or that, that was just a good friend of his? No, no, no. The, 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 that was his boyfriend. Um, there's even th- oh, it was his boyfriend. Yes, there's even dialogue. Oh, he was, he was having sex with him anyway, you know. Um, so, well, how do you get that from? I didn't see what. I thought he was just his buddy. No, he's in bed. Well, he's in the bed and, and the other guy. It, it's heavily suggested, including okay, some of the dialogue okay. that he says to Marcus. Okay, okay. Well, that's why he tells him that my obsession is this painting is gone. So I need to know something. This is the task of this painting. And, you know, because he needs to clean, he needs to morbid curiosity, which I do like because you'll have a lot of these mysteries films that come in. Uh, we talked about it with fucking Blue Velvet where I didn't understand why he would do this and do this. You never get an explanation. But this one, they tell you. Yes. Uh, my morbid curiosity is I want to know what happened to that painting because mm-hmm. there was a painting there. So that's what gets him involved in this. And I like that. And he's an artist himself, you know, and that he's a pianist, so he has a creative side to him. So it's, yeah, it it works in that context, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I do like, we're about halfway through. I like to say because of the quick cuts, and I hate to keep bringing them up, I won't bring them up again because I kind of feel like I'm putting the film down for it. I'm not. I like to treat it more as a raw, this is more of a raw cut. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the original one that we got on the stage was 104 minutes or something like that. But if you read the reviews of the film, everyone says you have to watch this version. You have to watch the original Italian cut, which is, what, 122 minutes or something Yeah, like it's over two hours. Yeah, and that's a lot. Usually it's like 30 seconds. It's like an additional like, sort of 15 minutes or so, So, and that's yeah, a lot. Exactly. So if you guys are listening to this, I recommend you watch the the extended cut. Um, I think that's the only way you can get now, anyway. At this point, we know. So we now we know the killer is stalking him because the scene where he's playing the piano, and then they, they the killer plays his tape, and it's always that little you know, la 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 yes. la. Now you mentioned the about the music theme. earlier on that you didn't get that. Um, that, that that's the same record that was well that we'll find out later on that was playing whenever. The killer was, um, the, yeah, but yeah. she they did play they did play that music every time a person gets killed. Yes, that music's played. That's the same uh, music that they experienced as a child. As a child, yes, yes. yeah. It's that same record. Oh my God. Yeah, it's almost like Christmas Eve. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yeah. So plays the tape and he hears it and he's like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. and quickly stops and he's about to be taken out but then the phone rings so the killer must pa- must have panicked and left so he was about to get his comeuppance mm-hmm. uh, so we know he's on the uh, checklist we find out this is when we find out he's talking to Helga's business partners you know the people that they're at the conference yeah. I got his name confused is that Kala is that Barty uh, I, I, or is that Kala Kala Demi 
Kelly It's something Italian anyway, but I was more confused about what their actual professions were. I mean, were they writers? Were they psychic sort of? Did they just like doing psychic conventions or whatever? Yeah, well, they're they're they must be something to do with telepathy or whatever. Oh, and they talk. So when he's talking to them, they say that the music played around them, so they heard the la la. Yes. So that's where you know she was targeted. But then, this is where the one guy we don't care about mentions the book about the mansion. Yes. You remember yes, that? Oh, oh, absolutely. It's a big plot point. It's a per- Yeah, I know, but where, where did the book come from? Why did he mention that book? I don't understand why he mentioned because it. Because I, th- I think it might be to do with the music or similar types of murders. But yeah, he basically mentions that there is a book connected to a house were um uh, and this th- apparently this is I think it w- it was um the murders are similar to previous murders that happened that were connected to this house. Okay. And the book is the book about the house. Okay, it's kind of kind of. Uh... It, it's not a lot of this film was not spelt out. You do have to examine it and watch it more than once, which is fine. I'm oh, cool yeah, with that. Yeah. So, where did the name Amanda Rigetti come from? That was the um, per, I'm presuming the, the person that previously owned the house, or sorry, or she, was she the writer of the book? Oh, okay, she so might be. That's why I figured she was writing the book. That makes yeah. More she sense. wrote the book about the house. Sorry, yes, mm-hmm, I think. Okay, yeah, because that's when he picks up the phone and he tells um, Gianna, "Get me the address of a manga." Yeah, she wrote the book about the house. Yeah, yeah. got it. A guy, cool. and then she gets her comeuppance. Yeah, I kind of like this scene. God, I felt sorry for it, but at the same time, the dumb idiot fucking kept running back into well, the, the house. the birds as well, and yeah, she, she yeah, comes with the I, bird. I, I mean, I don't get why a woman by herself, or I don't, if you're a man, for fuck's sake, either, you'd walk into your house by yourself in the middle of nowhere, and you see a doll, a dead baby doll, <laughs> Hanging. hung from your ceiling, and you just go, hmm, that's odd. <laughs> she obviously didn't watch horror films. You know, I I would have shit my pants at this point, and the bus has already left her. I don't give a fuck. I'd run down that driveway and keep running. Yeah, um, I don't. I doesn't make any sense. Do you want me to tell you why mean, why they do it for the rest of the story yeah. and plot and the script uh, to continue? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. This poor woman, though. I mean, maybe that's why she gets the overkill, just because uh, the fact that she's an idiot. <laughs> but. Yeah, she hides, she, she, she goes back in, and she panics, knocks the birdcage over, and she grabs a knitting needle, actually stabs one of the birds. Yep, the bird gets and it. And then the, the killer's behind her, kind of knocks her around a bit. Then she crawls to the bathroom to try to get away because she sees a window there. Mm-hmm. And he they decide, the killer to give her a nice steam bath and fill the, wa- the bath with hot water and then dunk this poor woman's head Scald in Scald her and drown her at the same yeah. time. It's brutal. And pretty much killed her by scalding her to death and burning her to death. But Can I just say, was- just before the bathroom scene, there is a really creepy shot of just the eye of the killer and like a peephole watching. Ah, oh, it's not the peephole. Good shout. I can't believe I forgot that. Like we had with the mirror. Yes. And where Marcus is, thinks it's a painting, yeah. there's a scene, yeah, when she's look, she looks in the closet and you see this little gap between the clothing. Yes. 
and it's all blackness, but then the eye opens up because the, the killer uses mascara. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the eyes are sitting out. It really creepy. It reminded me of Black Christmas. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, very, very good. Very good. Oh, thanks for reminding me of that one. That's a, good, that's a good shout out. It's a good shot. It's got a lot of those nice little clever shots. Well, uh, that, absolutely. Yeah. Right through it. When, so after she dies, she's good. And I like this one where she's writing in steam who the killer is. And then the window blows open with the wind mm-hmm. and lets the steam out. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yeah, it's basically, uh, yeah, it's a brutal death. But especially when you see her face in the aftermath with all the sort of burn blisters and stuff. Pretty brutal. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Marcus shows up there. And when he finally gets the address, and he's this is where Gianna tells him that maybe we should get out of here. Because now you've probably left your prints all over that place. And you could be, you know, uh, you could be... You accused know. of being the killer? You could be accused. Also, the fact that you're in the other woman's house. Yeah. The, Helga's, when she was getting it at the same time. So, technically, he would be the number one suspect. Yeah, even though he would be even more of a suspect if they found out that he'd fled the scene and left all his fingerprints. But, you know, they had to make the rest of the plot happen. <laughs> uh, go to the house, the creepy house. I do think it's clever where... Well, it's clever, but it's could have done the easier route like gone to the publishers or something he's trying to find out what this house is mm-hmm. what I don't get if somebody wrote a book on this house why isn't there a house name or an address or anything um, yeah well these were the days before the internet so yes it, it should have um, yeah I mean he found it quite easily enough but I do like the fact he was smart enough to look at the book cover and it's these we- it's weird tropical tree mm-hmm. that doesn't in that area. So he goes to florists and gardeners and he finally tracks one down and goes, yeah, I remember getting that yes. tree for so-and-so. And that's how he ends up at the house. Yes. He gets the keys off the presumable, uh, presumably the caretaker with the really creepy daughter. <laughs> so when he's, there's, there's another weird fucking scene where they're walking to, he's walking down the street with, I think it's called Calderino. I'm butchering that, but the other guy who was helping yes. him from the, you know, the, telepathic group yes and they're walking down the street and they're just they're not really saying anything to each other all of a sudden we see a man break into song and then we see a dog fight yeah yeah and that's it it's yeah again it's sort of argento's little quirks yeah but i suppose i mean there's, there's rhyme or reason a dog fight could be something's coming yes it's, it's symbolic you know I mean, they're not random. It's a weird one, uh, uh, in the same way that lynches aren't random, you know, they always. Oh, ah, yeah, yes, they are. No, 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 no. Lynch is nuts. No, this guy's, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's a lot smoother than Lynch. I disagree, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, stupid Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he finally finds the house, and then the music kicks in from Goblin. Yep. <laughs> um. Now his buddy goes to Amanda's house, and this is where he finds out the steam. Yes. You know, he's, he's smart enough to figure out. Yeah. So so he re-steams the, the bathroom and she, she see, he sees the killer, the killer is dot, dot, dot. And then he puts a smile on his face. He's, oh, I got to call Marcus. But he didn't find out anything. It, the killer's in the mirror. It's something to do with the mirror. And it's basically, I think, now it could be wrong, it's not explicitly stated, but um, I think that means that what Mark has seen in the mirror was not a painting, but the killer. But why would he know that? 
Uh, I'm not too sure because he... All she did on the side of the bathtub or the tiles is write, the killer is dot, dot, dot. Yeah. It is a bit unexplained. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not laid out fully, but my impression okay. is that it, it was to do... I'm presuming that Marcus told him that about the painting. What he thought was a painting was really a mirror. Yes. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm presuming because he's seen the steam in the mirror because he definitely looks closely at the mirror and there's they definitely. Well, no, that's connection. where he fig- That's where. Well, he looks at the mirror because he sees the steam, mm-hmm. and that's where he puts the pieces together that she might have been writing something mm-hmm. with her finger. Mm-hmm. Not. So I never got. Maybe he. Maybe he put them together himself. No, or, really... or possibly. Um, what the audience doesn't see is that she actually also wrote the actual name of the killer. I don't know. I don't think so. Or, or there was more of a clue, just the audience were not privy to it. So Marcus goes to rent the house for a day, whatever he's yeah. doing, um, to this landlord guy. Yes. And the daughter's going to let him in, take him there. <laughs> the daughter's brilliant. And then the, he goes to the daughter, you get over here. Would you ever, and he smacks yes. her. And then she's like, Licking her lip, fucking creepy, and then smiling, and then heading back to give him a, le- you know, show him where the house is, and then we see that the little fucker has put a, a pin needle through a little lizard's yes, throat. Yes, she tortures lizards. Yeah, she, she tortures animals. Yes, in her spare time, you know, I mean, most kids would play with a Barbie doll or whatever. Most young girls or whatever. Fuck. <laughs> this little brat um, tortures small animals <laughs> just for shits and giggles, which is funny. Because even though it's an odd scene, it does have a little payoff about the painting coming up. So the drawing, yeah, on the wall. Yeah. yeah. So when he when he goes to this house, he uh, yeah he he sees this this painting, this little uh, uh, child's it's it's child's drawing behind, behind the plaster. Yeah, it's yeah. A child's drawing, pretty much of somebody dying during Christmas. Yeah. The pieces start to come together. This is pretty much a family tragedy that's happened in this house. And when when he's walking around this house a bit, you see some glass fall on his head. He got lucky to get pierced. Mm-hmm. But was somebody in that house with him? I think there was, yeah. Because when he goes to that wall for the first time, there was something hanging on I that wall. I think it was wall. Carlo. Although we never find out. But you know, you know what I'm saying? When he Before he, he... Something leads him to that wall, yeah. right? There's something hanging from that wall. When he leaves because he hears something, mm-hmm. and he comes back, that little piece is gone. Yeah. Oh, there was, def- was I that- definitely think there was someone in there with him. That's the impression I got. Okay, I wasn't. Just I, thought, Annabelle, I think it was Carlo. And then when the, you hear the landlord yelling at him. Uh, there's no lights there. You need to come down from the house now. Yes. Uh, it's dangerous. And then as he leaves, there's a nice shot where the camera zooms in on the picture that he fo- that he found of a, an older man being killed by a mm-hmm. child. But that's not really what happened. We'll figure it out. A little piece of the puzzle falls off the wall and that he missed yes. as he leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty much the answer of the whole the whole riddle. Mm-hmm. Now, Calabrini's death. Calabrini, I think that's his name. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. But he's wait, he's trying to get a hold of Marcus. His this was the creepiest scene. This my favorite death. Me out. Oh my god, when he it was only ready to saw <laughs> this little fucking doll. Brilliant. I, I would uh, it would surprise me if the saw, you know, that ventriloquist dummy in saw the saw films was uh, homage to 
the scene. In oh, fact, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. This baby's head, this overgrown baby coming at him. And it's obviously mechanical. Yep. And he has a good laugh. I, I, but it's only pretty much just a distraction for half a second because the killer's behind yeah. him and tackles it him. It just comes right in the work. Too. I love it. Yeah. Just pounds his face into the fucking marble. Oh, and you see his teeth all So open. creepy. And then stabs him as you yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Through the neck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that um, sort of dummy, you know, sort of just shooting at him. Brilliant. So his buddy's gone now. And at this point, uh, Gianna's still trying to get laid for Marcus. <laughs> yeah. And let's go to Spain. He's like, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's looking at the picture of the house, he goes, something's not right. And he realizes that the window is missing from the front of the yep. house. So he decides to go back to investigate. What a fucking idiot. He climbs up this terrace and with one hand to try to <laughs> open this wall. When, and then he almost kills himself. And then he this big stunt scene where he climbs back down. Then he decides to go in and do it from inside Yeah, the exactly. House. Why didn't he just do that in the first place? Yeah. I was like, there you go, genius. Yeah. Well, instead, he decided to go sort of A-team on it and like sort of, sort of climb up the wall. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, when he this is where I got confused, thrown off, where I thought Gianna was it. Because when he opens the wall, you see the decayed body. Yes. The Christmas tree kind of reminiscing of the picture and the flashbacks we've seen and but all of a sudden he wakes up and she's on top of him looking at the fire mm-hmm. like who started the fire yep who it was carlo that? i think i believe it? it was carlo but at first you are led to believe that it was her that's see that's why i like about the red herrings yes. they throw you off i was like and she's looking up like in a hypnotic state and at first so i was like oh yeah this chick's nuts. yeah and at first i also thought that they were still inside the house whenever it was on fire but then it, it's revealed then that they're actually she had trailed him out dragged him out from the room to the outside. Okay. So Carlo must have knocked him loot, knocked him yes. out. And then she went up to get him. Yes. She just happened to see him. Ca- uh, Carlo didn't okay. want to kill him. Uh, That's right, because Carlo's not the killer. Spoiler, guys, you all know this. Carlo's not the yes. killer. He's just protecting his mom's yes, trail. Yes, and he doesn't, he never wanted, he, he, I think he fancied Marcus. Um, and he, he, he admits that he really likes him and stuff, and now he's going to have to kill him later on whenever it's revealed about Carlo. But Carlo is not a, a, a killer per se. He's not the main killer anyway, and he never wanted to kill Marcus. That's why he knocks him out at this point instead of killing him. Okay, so Mark, I thought she knocked him out. I was like, what? But that's the way you're supposed to be. Yes, clever. yes, yes. You were supposed to Misdirection, well, yeah. She did it. She, she obviously was there, but yes. no, it's, she, she got there late. All right, so... We go back to that freaky little brat kid who's <laughs> killing lizards, and he's back to the landlord. Yes. And she sees the kid with this picture that's reminiscing of the wall. Yes. And he's like, there's no way you drew this. I did draw it. And she says, it's from a picture I saw in the school. Yep. So that brings them back to the school now. And I love how they go to the archive room. Yep. And he goes, Where, there's so much stuff here. What do we look under? It'll be labeled. <laughs> There's a big label saying draw. How convenient. Uh, creepy. It, it, it was onto the file that must have said in Italian, obviously. Creepy kids' drawings. <laughs> you know? So they go through the years, and obviously they come with the drawing, and then the drawing reveals. Also, what sort of school yeah. keeps archives of kids' creepy drawings? It's, <laughs> but anyway, it works. But yeah, don't think about it too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. This is where... This whole scene I really liked. I thought it was kind of creepy yes. because she goes to call the police 
as he's still looking, um, which was the smartest move. She says, listen, even though he's still looking for, for the drawing, she's like, just as precautionary, let's get the police involved now. So she she goes to call him, and then she gets hit or stabbed. You don't really see what happens to her, but I'm assuming yeah. she gets stabbed. Um, and when he goes to look for her, you see that hangman yeah. on the uh, chalkboard? I thought that was kind of cool. And then you see her hurt right there, and you knew she's innocent. Yeah. And then you you find out Carlo. And they still don't give it away. They still say Carlo's the killer. And wow. <laughs> if if any poor bastard in any film can get it, this is... Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I actually uh, felt, uh, generally feel really sorry for Carlo. I mean, what a horrible life he had. As a child, he witnessed his father being murdered, big spoiler, by his mother. Um and then, you know, he had a miserable life after that, uh, you know, I, I would expect. And then what a death. You know? Yeah, he, he, after witnessing his father's death and him being traumatized for the rest of his life, he then goes into in hiding with alcoholism and covering up his mother's uh, murderous trail. And then he gets hit by a dump truck. <laughs> then he gets dragged by that dump truck, hitting every curb as they can. Yeah. And then once the dump truck realizes he's being dragged, they kindly stop. And then the car coming on the oncoming traffic runs over yeah. his head. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautifully morbid. I mean, it, it, it's almost, if, it, if this had been in the hands of another director, it would have been like some darkly slapstick comedy scene that you would see in, I don't know, Benny Hill or something. <laughs> it, it is. It's it's so, pardon the pun, overkill. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Frank Drebin would be proud. <laughs> and then... He goes back to the, the the original murder Helga, and he's still he's still confused because he was with yes. him, like I mentioned, when Helga was getting killed. So somebody else had to be there, mm-hmm. and yes, we find out it's the unwell mother yes. of Carlo. Um, and what he saw was her reflection in the mirror against a painting. Yes. So it was a mirror she was he was actually seeing, um, and, the, and like I said, it's one of those films that. I don't know if kids or people are clever enough to catch it now. Um, the initial viewing, the first viewing, I never did. You just kind of went with it. I remember it being kind of a jump scare about it, going "Ooh!" But the second time it, when, I, when I saw it, it was like "Ooh!" Something's yeah. Okay, it's a very cool sort of double reveal. Um, you know, first of all, Carlo, and then you know, you find out it's the, the you know, the mother is the main killer, the actual killer. You know. Yeah, because he always played on kids' toys. Mm-hmm. Um, we see the knife, you know, the kids' little, the little kids' little booties, whatever, during the credits. Yeah. So they always led toward Carlos. Carlos is, a, you know, drinking a lot and so forth. And you see the flashback where the father's just telling the mother, <laughs> "Listen, we we need to get you, you know, back to the hospital. For, it's for your own yeah. good." He was just trying to help yeah. her. And it's clearly the same actress, but um, shot from sort of long shot, so we didn't notice she's meant to be younger, you know. Oh, but she's yeah, got a different yeah. hairstyle, you know. Well, it still would works. be that many years. It would be that many years ago. Yeah. Um, in all fairness. Yeah, but it would have been only maybe 20 or so. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but it's cleverly uh, shot. Well, like mother, like son. Brilliant death. She gets a wonderful death as the her necklace gets stuck in the elevator and rips her head yeah. clean off. Yeah. Marcus basically hits the button for the elevator to go up and um, her head goes one way and her body goes the other. <laughs> yeah. And then we see... An image of his face in her blood yeah. as credits roll. There you are. Excellent film. 
You liked it. This is your first, this is the first time seeing yes, it. Again, yes, right? it is. Um, but being honest, I, I do confess that. I, um, as I said, I have seen a few uh, Argento films, but this is one of the ones that I hadn't. And, um, yep, um, very stylish and um, very sort of Argento-esque, if that's even a phrase. Um, but um, very clever at the same time. And, yeah, uh, quite a sort of elaborate plot. Yeah, it's an intelligent sort of you know plot and story and and mystery essentially. I I very much enjoyed it. And in fact, I would go as far as saying, out of the Argento films I've seen, I think it's one of his best. Certainly up there with Suspiria, and you know, um, opera and you know other ones I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I I probably put this as his best. Yeah. I might agree, yeah, actually. But but Suspiria would be up there. Oh yeah. And, um, Creepers would be up there. This new one, I might want to watch. We might want, we should review it. Check it out, the new yes. one. You know, um, sun, uh, sunglasses. So it, it you know, um, but yeah, he's uh, he's definitely a, a storyteller. He likes having fun. He likes play, he likes playing with his Very food. unique, yeah. And he has his own style going on there, you know. Yeah, um, he, he does what De Palma does. And they borrow from Hitchcock, but then they make it their own. Like what any good filmmaker mm-hmm. does now. I mean, everything's been said and done. All you can do is enhance, yeah. I think somebody said. So you can uh, certainly pay homage to somebody without ste- but, but without stealing mm-hmm. it. So they, uh, they they do their own little twist. He's really he's quirky in some of his, his edits and cuts. And like I said, I don't know if it's deliberate or, like you said, this massive four-hour epic he had had to be cut down. But it's, it still works for the film. Um, you like all the characters, and to be able to con me and for me not to figure it out, and you pretty much have like five people the entire film. That's pretty there's, clever. There's also and two and two and two of them are involved. Yeah, there, there's also <laughs> um, a sort of, uh, and it's a thing of you know that, that was quite common in seventy cinema overall. But there's also a gritty, a almost gritty, realistic feel to things as well. You believe that these characters are real people, you know. Well, I think the reason besides the deaths. Mm-hmm. They're not over the top. Yeah, they feel like real people. When you, yeah. when, you, when the the actors aren't hamming yep. it up. Yeah, you know, and I think that's where you're where you're coming from. It's not a, it's not I a sort of silly stuff. slicer. It it's it's a, it's very much set in the real world. To you know, it's a it's it's a nice who done yeah. it. And it's you almost wish the original Friday Thirteenth would have this kind of writing behind yeah. it to give you that more twists and turns because like Friday Thirteenth, you have very minimal people. But any, but you never had a chance to guess who it was because the person was never introduced. Yes. So I would like to have seen that in Friday Thirteenth. That's one of my biggest uh, no nos with Friday. But something, like, something like this writing team could have really maybe like to have seen them maybe tackle something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not a horror film by any means. It's it's still just a, a suspense thriller. Most of his stuff is suspense thrillers. Um, Besides the ones we mentioned earlier in the podcast, I love his blend of music. You'll have his buddy play the guitar for some cool guitar riffs from you know from the seventies, and then you'll have the you know the goblin kicking mm-hmm. in with the keyboard. Funky, you it's know, very, it, it's quite groovy and funky in parts. Yeah, yeah. and even and you and he knows when to build tension, like when he's oh when yeah, he absolutely fall, when he's when when he's about to fall off the you know the yeah. house. As idiot as he is, the music kicks in, so you know something's happening and. And he, and then the goblins will kick in when you know something creepy is about to Even happen. Even the scene with, you know, with he, the writer woman in her house is very tense and very well directed. You know. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. It's he, he's top notch stuff. Mm-hmm. Top notch mm-hmm. stuff. 
So there, there you have it. There are Dario Cento. We'll definitely dive back into him. I think people are going to really appreciate this podcast because I know Deep Red is very beloved. I haven't seen a bad review on this film yet. So uh, if you haven't seen it, spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm sure you've all you've all seen it. So check it out again. Especially if you get the copy of this 4K. It's on sale right now, really cheap, like 20 quid. So uh, and the Blu-ray's on sale right now for like 10. So you can get you know either version you want, but you'll get all the extras. So check it out. All right, uh, that's a wrap. Next up, we got a couple more coming out for you. We are going to start tackling Mission Impossible, then get another one on there. I don't know what that is yet. I'm sure if Trevor picks it, it's going to be something funny. <laughs> not just obscure piece of crap. Uh, no, what I was one, thinking there's, there's that we should do. Just to balance things oh, out God. a bit is oh, the um, maybe um, maybe one of the two 1960s Doctor Who Dalek films or even the 1996 made for TV Paul McGann Doctor Who film. You know, I was thinking that, and then I was thinking that'd be perfect. Why don't you get those ready for me, and then I'll go hang myself <laughs> like the doll and <laughs> <in> deep red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all we have for you guys. Listen, thanks for joining us. Our downloads, guys, and this is, I say this once in a while, and we went from a small little podcast, you know, two, three downloads a day, when, and then it went four to five a day. We're up 243% from last year. And, and that's, and I keep in mind, we're not doing in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of downloads a day, but we have quadrupled, quadrupled our numbers. And uh, to all the new listeners, we definitely appreciate it. We have a massive resurgence um, in the United Kingdom here alone. And it is greatly appreciated. And thank you to all you new listeners. Um, we appreciate it. And we appreciate the loyalty to our original followers. Thank you so much for your support. Um, you can reach out to us. Give us a shout out anytime you want at Citizen Frame underscore podcast. And, of course, on Facebook. We're going to wrap this one up. This was a little longer, but uh, what the hell? It was a good discussion. There was a lot to talk about. Yeah. We're done. Take care.